that song was not written on distorted guitar. No, I wrote it here on piano somewhere between a blowjob and an omelet. There is no rebellion. There's only me earning a paycheck. I don't believe you. Well, good, because the real message was not meant for you. So it's better if you just smile and you dance and you enjoy the melody. Because this ugly old man, me, I am the voice of your generation. Your grandparents, your parents, and all the young people that follow you. I love rock and roll. Drop another dime in the jukebox, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at you. <laughs> Everything that you hoped for, that you dreamed about being a part of, is a fabrication. Your art, your writing, your culture is the shell of other men's ambitions, ambitions beyond what you will ever understand. <laughs> That's funny to you. Well, it's a little bit funny, don't you think? <laughs> because I wrote this, and I wrote this, <laughs> and I wrote this. Stop it. And I wrote this too. Stop it! Yeah. Who's paying you to write these songs? Who's paying you to write these songs? From the five to the six, we be in the mix with that rare candy paint job on the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I don't never vote, cause I'm fucking broke. And either way, I know the police ain't gon' leave me alone. On a plane by the visit, land rock me. Crypto told me I should bring the Glock with me. So I packed up my piece and I'm sliding. Cause we might get caught up in a riot. Middle finger Trump, middle finger Biden. Fuck a left, fuck a right, is you riding? Real love to see it, dudes rocking. Ain't no politics, baby, we just talking. From the birds to the bricks, we be in the mix. With that rare candy paint. Job on the whip, who you with? Okay, welcome back to the Rare Candy Gain of Fiction Lab where all things are created. And um, today, covering some Thomas Pynchon, uh, I had to learn a new language of, of Thomas Pynchon. Uh, and I thought really no better guest because this is the person that actually got me to like finish the book because I was a little scared at the beginning. Uh, but I've got my good friend, Adam Lear here. Uh, and before we get into the book, uh, let's talk about your manifesto, man. Oh yeah, sure. Your manifesto. Now you, uh, admittedly, I don't have it yet. I have communions. I uh, will get to that this year. That's on my list. Yeah. I'll send you a copy. No, I'll buy it. Don't send it me to me. I want to buy it. So, okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> everybody else needs to buy it too. I, I like <laughs> everybody else needs to buy it too. Um, now what you, you, you told me privately that, that the crying of lot 49, is it a part of it or is it, uh, something in, that inspired you in that, in that, in the writing of the manifesto? Uh, Thomas Pynchon is mentioned cause you know, the entire book is like a really, uh, retarded and, like a uh, long listicle. It's like a Buzzfeed listicle that just happens to spread out to like 250 pages. 
Um, and Thomas Pynchon is mentioned at number 40. And um, at number 40, I start getting into the concept of apophenia, which is, of course, the, uh, the, tenden- the modern tendency towards uh, seeing patterns and conspiracies oh, yeah. uh, all around you. Uh, and apophenia is the feeling when those like you get deeper and deeper into those patterns and potential meanings and they never go anywhere. Um, Pynchon is obviously exploring this pretty directly early in his work, specifically with the crying of lot 49. And uh, just the concept of apophenia is a big um it's something i think about a lot it's something that inspires me you know so then i have like a whole there's like several um several there's like several bullet points after that that also talk about it though another one i talk about is a the spiral in mangata junji ito's book uzumaki Mm -hmm. uh because it's like a direct um like illustration for the the feeling of apophenia like there's something going on here but is there it's like and then i also talk about uh salvador dali at one point uh because salvador dali's artistic philosophy he called the paranoiac critical method which was actually the the um the utilization of apophenia to find new forms specifically so it was like a way to control that feeling and still get something out of it and not just get like endlessly lost um, in the conspiracism and the, and the potentialities of it all, you know, Salvador Dali would let that sort of feeling wash over him and, um, and get images from it. Which I, um, and I, I, I like all these guys. Like, I mean, Thomas Pynchon is obviously someone who's, incredibly well regarded and respected in the highest echelon of the culture industry. And then, um, you know, Junji Ito would be on the bottom of that as a mangata and Dali uh, is somewhere in the middle because even though he's a legendary surrealist and whatnot, he's also considered um, the Academy's kind of frowned upon him for the last five decades or so because he was so sort of corny and performative but i absolutely love him and think he's a genius and think um you know he's the exact kind of artist that most people would be drawn to but like academics would take issues with to one degree or another because he's a he's cool (laughs) yeah people have people have a have trouble with objective success um, a lot of times too. I've, I've noticed, I mean, I'm like, you know, me, me, I'm a John Lennon stand and nobody has a normal fucking opinion about that guy where you're like, Oh, actually he's just fucking awesome. And like, yeah, cr- cringe Lord Supreme, but whatever, like just, just absolutely like great. And in a sense, and I don't think that him and Dolly are the same. I just mean in, in a sense that like when something, something has to be like slept on back then to get props now, you yeah. know, where I, and, and, but then when something's like, loved during its time and constantly referenced forever laid the ground for all these other things they're like ah that guy was trying a little too hard it's like well i'm glad he tried hard yeah (laughs) yeah um the thing with lennon is like he was just like a great blues songwriter and like you know yeah and when he especially in the post beatles stuff when he really shined it was like sort of in those like almost gritty sounding rock and roll ditties like working class hero or yeah um 
uh, God, there's so, that whole record is is phenomenal. Yeah, and whatever gets you through the night. I mean, all these like amazing songs like that he that he had where he just got to just rock out. It's similar to like David Gilmore once he you know started going on his own where he just became just a rock musician. You know, yeah, and, yeah. Oh my god, like this is so good. Like I don't you know have that, but it, oh, and it, I found out. I found out is like that's like yeah, real oh, phallic like dick music. The, the that dude. I mean, not to turn this into the fucking John Lennon show, because Lord knows I do that every fucking episode. But the uh, that man is like he was an impress. He was th- his most feminine quality was just being super like impressionistic. Like he was definitely he absorbed everything around him, like you know, to to like almost as though like a woman stealing your socks and sweatshirts. Like right. like there was a quote on him where it was like, if John Lennon dated a neo Nazi, he would have been a neo Nazi, which is what well, fucking would have been an amazing arc, by the way. I think that was coming too. Uh, he never, <laughs> Bowie did his little thing. I think Lennon would have been shortly after. Uh, but, <laughs> but like you know, they, these things uh, like it would have would have been insane. Nazism for peace. <laughs> just just like the war's <laughs> over. There's a war on our own shores now. Like, <laughs> that would just be too good man but the uh so with uh with pinch and I, I found it really really funny because i i told you i'd started reading it the last time we talked uh and i i had gotten past the point of like i don't know if i like this i had already known i'd like this i just was scared that i was not didn't have the capacity to understand it was more so what where i was at and i kind of saw it the way that i saw twin peaks where i saw the first ever like the 90 minute pilot of twin peaks um a couple years ago and i watched it and i was like Oh, I don't know. I don't think this is for me, you know, where it's just like long scenes of like women crying and and very like soap opera and and stuff. And it was reading pension was almost the same way where I'm like, this is I could tell this is good. But on the first couple pages where Oedipa just gets the letter that she's the executor of the will, I'm like, what the fuck is going like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, who is what is he trying to tell me? Like, I feel like I have to learn a new language. But then at the end of the day, like when I just pushed through it and you had told me, you're like, Hey man, it's all going to make sense. And, and it absolutely well, did. I haven't stopped. It's all going to make sense in that your inability to make sense of it is ultimately validated. You just listened to a preview of one of our premium episodes. And to get access to the full thing, you got to be a paid subscriber to the rare candy Substack. That's rarecandy.substack.com. It's only $5 a month or $55 for the whole year. You get one month free if you do the whole year. You get access to premium Rare Candy episodes, my podcast, The Glenn Word, and whatever the hell else we want to charge people for. Uh, Again, that's rarecandy.substack.com. Thanks again.